Hello and welcome to the Grass Strap Banter Podcast. This is episode number 35. My name's Gareth Bemister, your host and your guide through the wonderful world of grass track racing. Joining me on episode number 35, first up, it is Ben Ilsley. How are you doing, Ben? Hey, Gareth. Yeah, all good. How are you, mate? Very good, mate. Yeah, getting there, getting there. And you've uh, had, had another good. birthday since we were last on, so another year older. And wiser, as they say. Is that right? I'm not sure about that. Definitely not sure about no, that. No, I'm not either. <laughs> also joining us is Russell Little. How are you doing, Russ? Yeah, good evening, Gareth. Good evening, boys. Uh, good Christmas, Russell. Get everything. Santa bring what you wanted. Uh, Santa didn't bring me anything this year. No. Um, oh, unbelievable. So, no. <laughs> good Christmas. Yeah, good Christmas. Unbelievable. And uh, also joining us, it's Mitch Godden. How you doing, Mitch? Yeah, hi, uh, Gareth. Hi, fellas. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year to you. And you've, uh, we, we finally saw, last uh, on the last show, we were talking about your uh, car crash, but we hadn't seen it um, <laughs> at Brandsatz. We've had a good look now. Decent crash, actually, Mitch. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Put it in a fence it, and everything. Uh, it wasn't. It, the funny thing was, it wasn't quite as I remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you can't argue the, the truth. <laughs> no, you can't argue the truth. But um, yeah, it's just a, a serious lack of talent. But uh, that's part of learning, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. But uh, good Christmas anyway, Mitch. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Quiet, obviously. Everyone, I think everyone had a bit of a quiet one this year with. Uh, various restrictions and stuff but uh, yeah all good family's all uh, healthy and uh, yeah raring to go yeah good stuff well I mean personally I had a had a well the day I broke up from Christmas I ended up uh, quarantined in the spare room for seven days so I got Covid uh, just the day before I don't know if anyone out there has been who's listening has been up with the, uh, the Covid positive test but it was a bit of a shock got and uh, ended up in the bedroom for seven days, watching the Xbox, watching lots of racing videos and not doing a lot, but got through it and uh, managed to have a Christmas and everything else. And here we are, January 2022, looking forward to uh, a season of grass track racing, hopefully a normal season. But it's uh, it's looking a bit worrying again at the moment, but we'll have to wait and see what uh, what the new year, year brings. We've got another announcement coming from uh, Boris. I think it seems like it's a daily one at the moment. I don't know what the latest is on well, all sorts of things. I mean... Ben, we've been looking at uh, European travel or, or travelling overseas today, haven't we? And I don't know, I think, you, was it you had a look or was it Russell? I think it's Russell, actually, wasn't it, had a look? Uh, yeah. Both of us, yeah, both of us. What was the, what was the upshot at the moment? Well, that's what the announcement was this evening. Oh, OK, right. So hopefully by the time um, we're listening to this. Well, they're just, they've said that pre-departure testing for, for arrivals into the UK will no longer be required. Right. Which, yeah, is a big layer of... Well, everything that needs to go in the process to travel has been yeah. removed, isn't it now? So, um, and lateral flow tests can be taken on day two now as opposed to a PCR test. If, so, yeah, and obviously yeah. it has it has huge implications for for the sport. I mean, we're later on in uh, certainly, if not if this episode, then the next episode, we're talking about um, the European various European semis and European finals and the World Long Track and everything else. And obviously, Mitch is hoping to get a full season out on the continent as well and yeah all rests at the moment a little bit uncertain we're not entirely sure but fingers crossed really I mean it can't be it can't be anything like it has been I wouldn't have thought Mitch I think you know you must certainly be full steam ahead planning a European season well I mean I I, I don't really know what the situation is going to be like in two or three months or four or five months but um, 
you know, all I, all I can say really is that uh, my son Miles and his girlfriend went to New York over Christmas, um, and for the tests to get, you know, to leave the UK before they went to the airport, um, when they got to the states, and then they had to retest before they left the states to go back to come back home, uh, was about two hundred and fifty quid's worth for you know two of them. So yeah. you know, obviously the rules have changed since then because that was two weeks ago, but. Um, you know, it can be costly, you know, but if you want to do it, you've got to do it, haven't you? So, mm. yeah, yeah, I suppose it's uh, hopefully it'll just it'll get better and better from here on. I mean, I, I really hope it's not going to go back the other way, but we'll wait and see. We'll carry on thinking about season uh, well, season 2022, but uh, what am I talking about? The season of 2022 uh, being as successful as it can be and covid free as possible as well. Um, now, we always have a bit of correspondence at this point in the show, uh, and we put a poll on Facebook this week, and it really was, well, the background behind it was, um, I've had a lot, uh, as many of you know that are listening, I spend a lot of time uh, putting together the National Gradings List. Basically, about five years ago, the National Gradings List were sort of something that was compiled by uh, centre recorders, and Mitch was one of them, and... Uh, they were all recording the results and sending them into the ACU and they were all put together at the end of the season and then published sort of, I don't know, six, eight weeks after the end of the season, basically. Um, and we, the four of us, Luke included, uh, we all sort of saw an opportunity to put them online because we said, well, if we could get the results together, uh, we could get the, the live grading list up and running so that it would be there every week and people could keep track of it throughout the season. Uh, which it has done, and I think on the whole it's worked really well, and people really do take more notice of it than they ever did. But the sort of the by, the sort of byproduct of that is that it's people care about it a lot more, and with caring about things is questioning things and asking if they're right, and if you know people are worried about if they've not qualified for certain things, and if it's fair, and if the right points have been awarded, and all sorts of things. So we're going to get right into it really, because there's an awful lot of uh, sort of comings and goings i basically put on the poll uh, do the national gradings lists for, um are they a fair reflection of the season's racing first of all now we know how the public voted and we'll get to that in a minute but first of all we'll have a very quick yes or no i think so uh ben are you a yes or a no uh i'm on, I'm on, on the fence really i don't really know <laughs> yeah that me too uh, by the way <laughs> um i don't really i just i just kind of go with it you know it is what it is and until someone comes up with a uh, a compelling solution, mm. then yeah, I, I'm I could be easily swayed. I just follow whatever the rules are in place. Yeah, we've heard that. Yeah, <laughs> we've um, uh, there's there are plenty of other solutions out there, and we'll get to those as well. Uh, but it's a workable solution as well as a compelling solution. So we'll yeah, um, and that's where I am as well. Really, Ben, I'm kind of there as well. Russ, you are a. Can you remind me? Are you yes or no on them being are a fair reflection of the season? I think they are, but also I don't think they're accurate mm. in in respect of uh, riders' abilities and the level that various riders ride at. So the situation you find yourself in, Russ, is is a tricky one at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, obviously I I had a a very hit and miss uh, 2021 season, uh, more miss than hit. Um, so yeah, I find myself currently sitting outside the top 24 um, on a measly two points. But those measly two points 
which were from Tallington, um, were very hard fought for, and I beat a lot of people that are a lot higher up. And that's a very common argument, or a, certainly a very common point of contention, is what you've exactly said there, because you're certainly not the only one. There's an awful lot of people, or an awful lot of riders that are in that same situation, or a similar situation. Um, so, Mitch, uh, yes or no, are they a fair reflection of the season? I think they're a they're a loose reflection of the season, um, but the whole system is open to manipulation. Um, you know, some of it's intended, some of it's not. You know, if you do more meetings, then the 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 necessity to win is less. If you do less meetings, the necessity to win is greater. Um, it it it's open to um, misuse, I suppose. Mm. Um, not, not, not misuse. That's the wrong word. It, it's that I don't think. I think it's a loose reflection of the of 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 the uh, abilities, um, but I don't think it's a true reflection of the abilities. And there's lots of people that agree yeah. or disagree as well. It's kind of there's loads I want to say, but I haven't got the right words to say. Yeah. Well, as we get into it, I expect it will sort of come up, come about because there's yeah. a lot of uh, quite a lot to this now. For those that are listening that maybe aren't sure how it all works, basically every ACU event, every ACU grass track event uh, scores gradings points and they're scored for the top six in every class. So if you, for example, are like Russell and you're riding in the 250 solo class, uh, if you finish in the top six in a meeting, you score gradings points. You get six for a win, five for second, four for third, and so on down to uh, one point for sixth. And you... um, and that's everywhere the same and now there has been changes in the past so there was a time when i first started doing the gradings list a few years ago where if there was uh, eight or less riders in the class or six or less in the sidecars you only scored the top three so it's three two one that caused a lot of confusion uh, it also caused uh, some people there was a meeting in i think it may have been fenland where you had four thousand cc sidecars uh, in the meeting, but they were all in the top six in the Masters. I think it was Colin Blackburn, Rob Wilson, Mark Cosser, and and someone of that ilk. Uh, and they, of course, only scored three, two, one, and it just wasn't fair because yeah, those are four very good quality riders. Uh, so that got changed, and now it's six, five, four, three, two, one, with the exception of the youth. There is a difference with the youth, which we'll sort of get to later. Um, now the reason why sort of. Well- also, Gareth, you have to also remember that the national events used to be 12, 11, 10. Yeah. So, so they used, and so there used to be a lot more of them, national events. Yeah. Um, but obviously, because some national events had uh, restricted entries, like the Masters qualifier, um, and because there wasn't many national events, they got rid of the uh, 12 point system mm. and they got rid of the half point system. Yeah. Uh, sorry, now, sorry. No, that's fine. Yeah, no, no thanks. And because that was before I was doing it, but it was certainly while you were doing the recording, I think that was the case. Um, yeah. But now there's hardly any nationals. I think it's three or four a year, and it's just so it wasn't worth doing, and it's sort of it's not been brought back. Uh, the Masters qualifier doesn't score any gradings points. I don't know if you were all aware of that. Um, because I mean, of, again, it's a restricted lineup. It used to. Yeah, uh, yeah. that got changed in 2019, I think. So it's a very recent change. So so all that goes on through the year uh, and people are scoring points in the various classes. And uh, the the 
British Championship uh, lineups are made up of the gradings list. So uh, the better you get on with uh, racing through the season on the gradings list, the more chance you've got of being in the British Championship. So the top 24, 250s and 350 solos are immediately asked, or it's top 20, I think, because there's a few wildcards and things as well. Uh, top 12, 500 sidecars. The top 1,000 sidecars and 500 solos go into the Masters Qualifier. Um, and it's all chosen from these lists. So they do hold a bit of gravitas. Um now, the reason why people sort of say, well, they're not really a fair reflection, is that there are certain areas of the country, if you live in them, you might find that you can get six, seven, eight meetings a year in, uh, racing against the same people who aren't as strong on a motorcycle as some people in other parts of the country, where they're racing against 24, let's say, uh, riders. So it, there are huge discrepancies in how the competition is across the country, uh, which does cause a little bit of con you know, a lot of contention, I think it's fair to say. Um, I think that's about summed it up, isn't it? I mean, Gareth, yeah, exactly right. I mean, and forgive me for saying this, there's a guy on one of your lists that is the second qualifier for the Masters Solo Championship. Um, can you remind me who that was? Uh, is it the guy from up north, Jack Roberts? That's Jack, it. Yeah, yeah, Jack Roberts. Jack Roberts, now, yeah. Forgive me yeah. for saying, uh, my, my path and Jack Roberts' path obviously haven't crossed uh anywhere um and i can't put a face to the name or a name to the face you know i don't really know who jack roberts is but he's obviously scored stacks and stacks of points um uh, you know i'm not taking anything away from jack roberts um but you know he's outscored people that i that when i look at that list i know their quality and you just think well you know i know i'm a, I'm a southern based rider but you think that you'd have seen, you know, the top half of that list. You should know everyone because yeah. they should have been, they should have been around. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's no fruit. That's no fault of Jacks. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's, that's just. No uh, yeah, I mean, if that's Jack's riding his bike and supporting his local club, and yeah, exactly right. And, and, and don't don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not. I'm yeah, not, no, 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 I know you weren't. Just, I'm not popping at Jack or any, anything at all. I'm just saying that you know when you when you those top ten, twelve on the top on the top half of that list should be national riders that we all know yeah. um i mean there's one or two others further down that are maybe eastern centered that don't really go out of the eastern center and and as you say gareth when they're they're riding in uh smaller events but there's probably more of more events for them to ride at at that level uh that that's where the anomalies are happening mm. yeah for um for reference on Jack. So hang on, sorry, sorry, Jack. I do apologise. I didn't single you out on purpose. It was just <laughs> he was actually um, a promising speedway rider when he was a bit younger. Right. Uh, rode for Buxton and he did. I think he broke into the Premier League as a reserve, the middle tier, and then disappeared for a while. And I think I think Dan Winston actually got him riding again at Cheshire. Yeah. Wow. He rode one of Dan's bikes in Cheshire's meetings and. Uh, he did okay, I think, and now he's got some kit of his own, and he's been predominantly in the north, which is obviously Pickering, Cheshire, and I think that's it actually. Um, yeah, Halesby maybe. Halesby as well, possibly. Yeah, but I think for Jack, it was just about him. You probably don't even know what a grading list is, to be honest, Gareth and Mitch. Um, <laughs> he's just riding his motorbike, and yeah, no, 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 I, no, I'm not. As I say, I wasn't popping at Jack. I'm just saying. No, no, you weren't. The, the, um, but with yeah. the system the way it is, you've got people popping up on the list. You know, Ben, you, if you know Jack, I mean, if Jack was in the Masters, how would he fare? 
depends on what lineup. Um, if we look at last year's lineup, it probably meant semis. Right. Okay. So then, then him being at that list is is a worthy position for him then. But yeah. as as someone that doesn't know him, I don't know that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. No. I just just know him from yeah. I just guess following the speedway leagues a few years back. Yeah. Uh, it's it's one of those names that, that it's not a particularly sort of. Uh, you know, it's not a sort of unusual name or anything, is it? So it's I'm, I'm fairly familiar to it, but there's a lot of sort of I feel like it was around the time where there was sort of Mark Rogers, Jamie Rogers and very similar names all around that sort of area. And I think it came out. Yeah. Like Jack R. Greaves was another one around that sort of time. The North um, produced some very good riders, haven't they? Yeah, they, they have. They they don't. Uh, yeah, they have. And, you know, another argument might be that this. This might sort of alert Jack to the rest of the world, and it might be the stepping point, but we don't know. I mean, yeah, you can certainly see It'd both sides. It would be interesting to see what happens. It would be be good to see him certainly coming down for the qualifier, won't it, contesting it, and and seeing, yeah, if he can back up those those grading points. Yeah, with a yeah. performance. Long way to Cornwall from up there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at I've only, I haven't seen him ride, but looking at the pictures, he he's got a good skid on, and he's up competing with some good riders, so. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to be a valuable addition to to that class. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see, really. But uh, totally get what Mitch is saying, though. I mean, it, it, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. He's up, he's up above people that he's never raced, and we don't know if he would be able to beat them or not. We just don't know. But he's way that's above. The, them. That's what I'm saying. It's just a big yeah. question mark. Yeah, know? exactly. And that's not being disrespectful to Jack. It's just because it's a, you know it's a, he's it's a different thing, isn't it? Um, but then you know this problem, this problem particular with the grading uh, points and system has always existed. But when it was half points and double points, it it wasn't so much of a problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and both of those systems were were bought in for for a reason. And I don't, apart from it being complicated, I don't really know why it changed because the system now is considerably worse than what it was i think another real i think another reason why it's a, become a problem is that it's just a lot less meetings and obviously 2021 there was a you know a really we didn't really get going until may did we there was a couple of meetings here and there but the first comment actually on the poll was uh, there wasn't enough meetings to reflect to reflect a season uh, which is a good point, really. I mean, it might be, you know, I mean, Russell, you probably didn't do as many meetings as you'd done in the past and you find yourself only on two points. Perhaps if the season was a bit longer, you might have scored a few more. And yeah, a few others. I know there's a few others down there with you that probably would have done a few more meetings, but there just hasn't been the meetings, is there? No, I think, I think I've only done four or five, I think, Gareth, to be honest. Obviously, um, some working Sundays affects me a little bit, but not too much. But yeah, certainly lack of... Certainly, a lack of meetings in the southeast, which obviously I, if I did like a late Saturday shift, wouldn't be too difficult for on a Sunday. But obviously, they were few and far between last mm. year. Yeah. I think you can definitely say that for uh, 2020. I think I think is you're kind of stretching the argument for 2021. You know, if you wanted to do the, you know, if you wanted to do the miles, there was enough meetings. Um, you this know, is as, where as we need. Was. This is where we need Luke because he's got the stats on how many meetings there were and how many less there were in 2021. Um, I mean, Gareth, what I can tell you is when I was the, I mean, I was the ACU centre recorder in the southeast probably for 15 years, 20 years or something. Um, and when I first took the job on from Don Lee Amis, uh, there was, on average, between some, you know, most between, I'd say between 12 and 15 meetings in Kent 
in a in a year. Yeah. Um, with the various you know the clubs, and obviously when that went in the later years, that went down to basically four clubs, and it's now gone down to basically three clubs. So mm. you know in Kent now you might get six or seven, you know, you know that count for um you know well we got yeah two at gtsa three at frittenden and, and an astra so that's really all we've got but that would have been 15 16 and then you know you go back 15 20 years before that it would have been 20 or 30 in a year i've just yeah. got um interestingly i've got the 21 fixture list here and um, i mean may may was effectively written off because of uh the covid restrictions came into well, they were eased, weren't they, from the 17th of May to allow spectators. So we had Pantasia in April, uh, and then typically it pissed down with rain, didn't it, for most of May? Yeah. Uh, which cancelled Cornwall. Yeah, but I think uh, you still have to cancel. You still have to count the cancelled meetings because they would have happened. Yeah. Okay. So we, I mean, with with the cancellations, you've got so you've got Pantasia, you've got uh, Mid Cornwall, GW. Uh, Frittenden, so that was May, so that's four. Housby in June. Uh, GTSA ran the qualifier in June, didn't they, as well? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. June. Classic Grass Track, GW, VMCC, and Pickering. A lot of those clubs that are running multiple uh, meetings as well, Pickering, GW Racing, don't tend to attract the the bigger riders either you get the odd one or two uh so there's massive points to be scored if you are living in the you know on in east anglia and you do your racing at gw racing you've got some massive points to make there and likewise if you're living in north yorkshire you've got some big points to make because you live in where you are and pick around six meetings a year Gareth, i don't think you can say you've got big big points to make i think what you can say is that the potential to earn big points is greater. Mm. Um, you know, and, and and it gets worse when some of these small meetings can't fill classes, then the whole points then goes completely out the window because you're getting some classes that are running without enough to make one race. There was there was twenty nine meetings, including the Masters and Nationals last year. So Masters qualifier, British champs. Hmm. Um, it's only including one British Championship, not the rerun date, and, as well. Um, and how many would have been in 2019? Well, Luke. <laughs> yeah, Luke. It'd be interesting to do a comparison, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. It'd be probably somewhere between 40 and 50. I would have thought. Yeah, I do think it's amplified the problem. It really has not having as many. I think the more, if you have more meetings, you know, it, there's more opportunity. There's more opportunity for the real. You know, the riders that didn't ride as much. And also, of course, there's riders that didn't ride because they were concerned with COVID. There's also riders that didn't ride because uh, financially COVID had hit them quite hard. So there's a, a lot of factors in there as well, isn't there, that, that, that could have caused a problem. I mean, I was just thinking as well, while you were saying about the southeast 15 or so years ago, when I first started racing down this way, we used to do uh, Cornwall. Well, I mean, in Cornwall, we had Cornwall Solo and BSSA. So we had probably about eight meetings a year in Cornwall on its own. Yeah. Uh, then you had um, the club at East Dogwell. We had Swager as well, which ran up in Exeter. Somerton, 
uh, and Bridgewater, which seems to have they, they seem to be struggling yes. for land. So that's another six or seven meetings just in the southwest. Uh, I certainly I know that I've got into quite a few qualifiers just by running running around at those meetings because when we went to you know the likes of Collier Street, we certainly weren't going to be scoring any points because of to be honest that you know you're up against some tough opposition. And then when I started riding with Simon, of course, Simon lives in Kent. And suddenly I found that we were scraping out and we couldn't get into uh, the qualifier yeah. because of it was it's tough. You know, the comp- Simon and I always used to say the competition just followed us around. Yeah. Like wherever we went, there was another seven or eight riders that were a lot quicker than us. Um, I, I started racing in 2005 and did most of my riding. Like I was limited with, with travel, really, because I was young and skint and did most of my racing around the southwest and the south, a little bit of Swindon as well. And yeah, first year in the sport, I, I picked up some grading points because there was only three riders. Yeah. Um, which just really, yeah, it, it kind of amplifies. Uh, I mean, there's another thing. I was talking to uh, Super Dave recently about this. Um, and um, we were talking about the Cheshire meeting, uh, the Steve Deere and Memorial meeting earlier uh, in the middle of last year, I mean, yeah. no, August time last year. Um, and there was riders that pulled out of that meeting to go. And, I, th- I can't remember who they were. Yeah, well, you probably shouldn't say if I did, could remember. But there was riders that pulled out of that meeting to drive two or three hours that lived up in the northern area that drove a lot further to go to a lot softer meeting. Wow. Yeah. Now, what you know, is that is is that is that is the grading is is the the bounty of the grading points causing people to choose if there is a date clash, they're choosing to go to the soft meeting to to score more points. Mm. That's uh, that's crazy. But it happened. It's happening because because yeah. Super Dave told me. Yeah, people used to do it. I mean, I remember when my dad was riding. I remember us having to go up to. Again, it's Pickering again. But I remember him going up to Pickering to ride a meeting just to get some easy, in inverted commas, uh, grading points to make sure that they could get into the qualifier. You know, it's, it's gone on for years and years and years and years. That doesn't mean, though, and I know that you all agree with me this, with this, that doesn't mean it's right, does it? Like, just because it's been the way it's always been, it doesn't mean that it's right. I mean, if we can get a different way of doing it, then a fairer way of doing it. You know, How did motocross do it, out of interest? Anyone know? They have a championship you can enter, and if you win it, you win it. It's all open. All open, is it? Yeah. Um, I'll read through some of these other comments a minute, and we'll sort of, if you, yeah, we'll react where we can. Chris Malone uh, says, uh, well, we're answering the question, is it, is it a fair reflection of the season? Uh, Chris says, depends on what you want to reflect on, really, as the points are on each rider's total points, but one rider may only do four meetings, winning them all. Uh, another rider might have 15 rides and not win a meeting, but end up with more points. So we've sort of talked about this. So which is the better rider according to the gradings list? He sa- and then he said, maybe take the points as an average, which is what they do in the speedway, isn't it? Um, I mean, there are some real pitfalls with that. Uh, but if there was a way of coming up with an average, I mean, that would be a great solution, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think the, the trouble we have, Gareth, is it's hard enough to get a result from some organisations as it is let alone trying to implement something more complicated, which requires more more data to be captured and passed on. It's, it's a difficult one. I don't, if there was an average, I'd be on six. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the other thing, isn't it? It's, it you know, but if there's, a, if there's another 
way of doing that a lot of these other solutions that people are coming up with comes back to the same thing is that there actually isn't a reliable source for getting results as, as much as it pains me to say it um i didn't realize until i started to do the bits for the track racing committee and i don't think anyone out there realizes quite how difficult it is just to get a full set of results from a club it really is sometimes quite challenging for various reasons various reasons some clubs you know luke's club for example i've got the results sent to me before they've even you know just as the finals finish costa hadn't already crossed the line and you got the results were in yeah um (laughs) there's other clubs there's other clubs who i don't yeah i just never hear you know don't hear from i'm having to badger them and get the results of them some clubs you know that and they've got a lot better but it's still not reliable enough to change the system too much you know i'd love to do an average it'd be brilliant but that relies on knowing which riders have ridden where and at the moment sometimes i'm struggling to know which riders featured in the top three let alone who's ridden where and then there's riders that will turn up at a meeting do practice and go home well do their does that count there's some riders that will go off the line in the first race but not finish the first race and then go home so does their scat like there's too much complication just like you said ben and until there's a reliable source of results desperately hoping russell's going to say his champion uh, thing now about um transponders oh, but, yeah transponders yeah <laughs> you missed but, the cue there russ you did yeah <laughs> I- making a cup of tea gareth you know what we need don't you we need transponders yeah <laughs> yeah exactly i mean there's other solutions here so keith wall uh he's obviously not been around the sport much recently but he's he was asking if the club meetings and national meetings are still scored differently he agrees it doesn't seem right that they're not i haven't raced for years but in the old days you had to gain a national license through riding at club level still the same if you race six club meetings and made the final each time, you'd get some good points. But at the end of the year, uh, but if you raced national meetings, you'd get much higher points. Um, it doesn't quite work anymore because there just aren't enough national meetings. There's three at best. Uh, and also somewhere like Frittenden, sometimes the lineup is as good as it would be anywhere else. Um, Matthew Marola, it kind of has to be fair. However, it's not perfect. In the mid 2000s, I raced at all national meetings, travelled to, to race at competitive meetings, driving past local, less competitive meetings, uh, and had less points than someone who raced five times in their own centre, which is we've talked about that, haven't we? Looking at this year, it also throws some anomalies up. The Newton brothers, who we've talked about on the podcast, who are who seems like have been quick and had a good season, they got no points, or hardly any points, uh, and there's other crews that are in there that Mitch has said about the solos as well uh who matt's never heard of who's never certainly ever come across who are well up the list you know pickering again has has sort of brought back the sidecars for this year and it's really thrown a spanner in the works for the the sidecar qualifier whether they end up doing the qualifier or not we have to wait and see but yeah same problem that we're talking about uh tony penfold with the problem of covid and the lack of meetings he thinks the qualification should be extended until the last possible meeting. And he's not the only one that said this before the championship, um, which, yeah, it does throw up some problems, but it's another solution that might work. Um, so effectively, Russ, you would have until, you know, July to get a few more points to try and get yourself in the championship, which, you know, it has a few problems, doesn't it? But again, same old thing. 
Are the results going to come back? Are they going to be reliable? But do you think that would be fair, Russ, if, if you were able to carry on scoring points? Um, I don't No, I don't think so, Gareth. It's a fresh season, isn't it? Fresh, fresh start. Um, for me, no. I can see, I can see the reasoning, and uh, I can't see an argument for it. But I just think it's fresh start, isn't it? What's mm. happened has happened, and let's just carry on. Yeah. Um, Phil Thomas, who's who's uh, talked to me a little bit about it as well, because Phil's in a similar situation to you, Russ, in the fact that he's raced against a lot of riders everywhere he's gone. The competition's been there, uh, and he's out of the top twenty-four. Uh, everyone who makes a final should get points. Um, if there is 10 in the final, 10 points for first, down to one point for 10th. Eight riders in the final, there should be eight points, uh, you know, or six, there should be six points, whatever there are in the final. Um, Phil says he's made a lot of finals this season, or last season, and had to ride bloody hard in them. But because of the class of the riders, it's been hard to get in the top six. Again, it's a similar situation to what you've found yourself in. Uh, plus, this is just my opinion. To ride at the British Championship, each rider should have done at least four meetings leading up to that championship. Because he doesn't think it's fair that uh, riders who have ridden that class all season don't get in. So it means right, four four meetings in that class? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, if they if if you do have a final, that's one solution. But again, it's reliant on having you know good results um colin hill says whatever angle you look at it uh, and colin's boys have just done really well in the left-handers actually whatever angle you look at it it's there uh, it's it whatever angle you look at it is there a fair way the british masters is ran over one meeting oh yeah so colin's point is that you could um yeah i don't think he's too struck on the what winner take all final um what Colin's talking about really at the Masters um, which is kind of yeah, bit of a bone of contention for a lot of people Some ride, Paul Morphy says some riders are fortunate enough to race all over the country and earn points at smaller club meetings, that's a high up on the gradings list, I think the points should be divided against meetings entered to give an average point, so he also thinks average points scored should be good I also agree with Phil Thomas, riders should have done at least three meetings to qualify, not just a one-off meeting, people saying that um it leans towards riders that have ridden the most meetings. And it's, I mean, that's true. It's sort of, it's been fairly obvious recently that the gradings list rewards people who do a lot of meetings and ride in lots of different places. Now, I don't know, Ben, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It doesn't reward people who are going and winning lots of races. It rewards people for doing a lot of meetings uh, and travelling a lot. Well, there's an easy solution, Gareth, and that's change the name. Change the name from grading points to the mileage chart. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I can see the point. Like, a few years ago, I could see the point in that because a lot of people weren't entering meetings. That was why we made it live because there was clubs struggling for entries. If you remember three or four or five years ago, there was meetings being cancelled because there weren't enough in the lineup. Um, so that doesn't seem to be a case anymore. I mean, the, the other the other solution, the, not solution, the other issue we've got with the current system is um, how you how the uh, ACU deemed that you decide ties. Um, now, I mean, I know one particular scenario is that um, Aaron Vale finished third in the British Championships. It was the only meeting he did because he did it on a borrowed bike. Um, you know, effectively, he's 
he's regarded as number three in on the 500 cycles in in the country but uh a rider that had done three two or three or four meetings has got three points alongside him and the way that the ties are uh, are organized uh the 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 rider that's done more meetings basically is pushing aaron out of the uh national championships next year mm. yeah so 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 this you know the the emphasis on doing more, the problem you've got with obtaining more points uh, by doing more miles and doing more meetings is also re- rewarded in a tie break situation so it's the the problem's twofold isn't it yes anyone else got anything to say on it yeah i said you've caused all this trouble by putting the grading list up online what's your solution i know it's uh It'd be a lot better if it was all just a secret still and they just made it up at the end of the year like they used to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I mean, sure, uh, I'm sure it never happened. <laughs> I mean, I, I, we, we've spoken about this several times in the past and, you know, uh, and we sort of came up with a solution that you've tried on the youth. I mean, how's that gone? Yeah, it's really good. Um, the problem, to be fair, like the problem is that... Um, do you know what the difference is, actually, is the parents are quite pushy with getting the points. Um, so if uh, almost all of the parents are on social media, so they're really easy to get hold of, is the first thing for me. So if I've not, not got a full set of results, I get often I get the parents contacting me and saying, why haven't you put the gradings list up? And I can say, well, you need to go to the club and ask the club to send me the results. And then they do, because parents can be quite pushy like that, as I know in my line of work. Um, but riders, adult riders, don't tend to be quite so uh, forthcoming with that. I don't know if it's all the right, the done thing, really. So quite often, the results aren't as reliable. If every club sent in a full set of results, and what I mean by a full set of results is a results chart, so I can see what points were scored in each race. So, for example, if you had a meeting with, I don't know, 21250 solos, uh, all of them with their points and what they'd scored and a final if they had it. If I could be sent that, I could do it. And we could have that sort of gradings list whereby the winner of that meeting would get 21 points, second place would get 20, all the way down to one. Um, the only problem is the results just are not that reliable. Sometimes I get top sixes, I get top threes, I get you know ties for things where I don't know why they're tied. Um, the only problem with the youth is often the autos and cadets are lumped in together, so I can't work out who's who. Um, it really Sounds like is... we need transponders to me. Yeah, transponders. Would, well, even then, it would probably be set up wrong, wouldn't it? It would probably be set up with the wrong classes. But that's what if if we can this year in 2022, if we can get reliable results from all of the meetings that happen, we can look at a different solution. We can start to look at how we can do a different solution. But until that happens, until all of the clubs are on board with sending in up-to-date results, uh, you know, within a couple of days of the meeting, that can't happen. It can't. It won't change. You can't change it. It's it's it is what it is, and that's it's more by default than anything. You can't do some of these ideas that people are saying without a full set of results. You just can't do it. Haven't the uh, ACU put wheels in motion, though, Gareth? To try and uh, put a little bit more pressure on the clubs to be a bit more forthcoming they yeah so they have so one of the things that goes out and anyone who, who sort of runs a club will know 
uh, a pack comes out when you're going to run a meeting. Uh, and part of that pack now will be a, a set of results charts that you can fill in. Um, so that will come with you. So it's all there ready for you. Um, for Tallington's meeting, I filled out all of their uh, results charts for them and sent to them. But then the uh, <laughs> they ended up using somebody else's, which was a bit frustrating for me. But, um, you know, they were a little bit more. Certainly Sue at Tallington has been really proactive in getting that up and running. And their second meeting's results were brilliant. Um, very, very sort of clear and I could understand what was going on so that was all good um so yeah there are things in place I don't know what else there's other things that are in the pipeline as well Mitch that are hopefully going to help with the situation um and then hopefully we can get a, we can get a more fair system because I think that if you look at the youth um the youth lists they they are a fair reflection I mean the top top of the list may not necessarily be the fastest man or the fastest boy or girl uh, but they're certainly the rider who's been consistently the best over the season. You know, so it's consistently been the, the rider who's been there or thereabouts the whole season. Um, in the intermediate class, I mean, it's without a shadow of a doubt, Max Perry is the fastest rider in the Inters. Uh, and if he turned up every week, barring any accidents and crashes, he would probably top the list. But he doesn't do every meeting. He does a lot of speedway. So he's not top of the list. Um whether that's the same argument that we're talking about with the adults as well, I don't really know. I mean, it's hard to tell, but with, you know, lots of people are unhappy with it. Uh, and if you don't change anything, they'll continue to be unhappy with it. So, you know, I, I think that there's an awful lot of anomalies with the 2021 season. Be interested to know what other people think out there, because if you've not been on the Facebook group and seen the poll or uh, you weren't sure whether or not to write anything or declare what you thought, or if you've got an idea out there, uh, do send it into us. Grassstrap Banter Podcast outlook.com we're very interested in this i mean i'm interested in it because of obviously it's something that i've uh, spent a lot of time doing but uh, really interested to hear what you think about the national gradings lists um so get in touch now we've uh, we've changed the format of the podcast slightly we've got uh, we're releasing a few episodes shorter episodes so the next few episodes will be much much shorter hopefully not we were getting on sort of two three hour long podcasts it's getting a little bit daft so we've cut them right down so this episode 35, we've talked about the things that we wanted to talk about here. So coming up soon, we have got an interview with three times British 250 champion Henry Atkins. Uh, he will talk to us all about his grass track racing and a bit of his speedway and lots of other things as well. So that will come up after the whoosh. And then next week, you will hear episode 36, which will be our latest news uh, from the grass track world. And then the week after that will be episode 37, which will be a new brand new feature, which will probably make me sound even more silly than I normally do. Um, so wait for that one. We'll have more of our season review, which we started on episode 34. Uh, and we will have some of our fun quizzes on that episode 37 one as well uh, to lighten the mood a little bit. So uh, coming up after the wish, you will hear from Henry Atkins. This is Kelvin Tatum and you're listening to the Grass Trek Banter podcast. So now on the podcast, we have got uh, three times British 250cc grass track champion. We've tried to have him on before and we finally got him on. It's Henry Atkins. So, Henry, welcome to the podcast. What a pleasure it is. It certainly is, mate. And we just before we came on, I said it's the first time we've had someone from Devon. So usually everyone's talking to me from Kent and God knows where else. But yeah, nice and local. Uh, how is uh, how's Devon treating you in this horrible cold winter at the moment? Yes, yeah, lovely. Um, you can't you can't complain about Devon. It's um 
it's not too cold at the moment but yeah once once the summer kicks in it'll be um be busy with all the uh, holiday makers coming down but no it's lovely during the during the summer just yeah. the winter's a bit cold yeah best place in the world mate best place exactly in the world. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, first of all, before we sort of get into anything, I just, we just need to have a bit of an update on the injury, because obviously uh, the injury that you sustained uh, when you just seemed to be getting going with everything, really, um, it sort of put paid to an awful lot of progress for you. So how is this sort of shoulder injury? How's it coming along? And, you know, where are you now with it? Yeah, no, it's, um, it's been doing really well, to be honest. Obviously, when I had it, obviously, when I needed to get it done, it was um, a big, big hit. It was... Um, Sort of, I was getting to sort of the best form I'd been in with doing lots of riding with um, Team GB and sort of learning new tricks and yeah, it'd been going really well. But um, now I'm glad to say that now it's sort of up to up to standard again. And um, yes, yeah, I've trained on it during winter and um, yeah, it's probably probably the same as the uh, as a normal shoulder, or not even better to be honest. So just can't wait to get back on the bike now and sort of have some competitive meetings against um, against all the other riders. Yeah, that's really good news. I mean, it was a massive blow because um, I think it was the end of was it the end of 2020? You had a meeting at Plymouth and went really well. I, I was I don't go to many, but I went down there and you, you had an 18 point maximum. Um, and then it looked like oh, this is going to be awesome next year. You signed for Plymouth for the next season and everything looked rosy. And then suddenly the injury right at the beginning of the year uh, must have been a massive blow. Yeah, no, um, I sort of worked really hard in um sort of 2020 during lockdown getting sort of my fittest fittest I'll ever been and um yeah for it to start off in 2021 with an injury it was not ideal but um I needed to get it sorted or it just caused more problems during during the, the sort of long longer season so um I didn't want to put anyone else at risk or myself so um yeah it had to be a tough call to get it done but now it's done I can sort of focus on the future and um improve improve through the um through the racing career yeah what was it that was the what was the injury what was the problem um so back in 2019 i dislocated my shoulder riding at um somerset and um i think for it i think it was out for about three hours but due to it being out for so long the um ligaments and tendons all around it had stretched too much right and just due to the force of it getting popped out it had actually worn away the actual ball joint so i needed to um basically get sort of rebuilt with a bit of bit of extra bone and um Yes, yeah, it's, it's just ten times stronger now, which is which is a, which is much more um, a massive improvement. So, yeah, that's that's sort of adding to more of a confidence basis now, knowing that I can put the bike wherever I want on the track, and I don't have to worry about my shoulder popping out. And I know that I can sort of hold onto the bike, even if the bike is driving hard, I'll be able to hold onto it no problem. Where before it's a bit of a let's see how this goes sort of thing, which wasn't ideal. Yeah, I mean, you had to go out at the uh, you didn't do much grass. Uh, in 2021 obviously but you went out at Ledbury uh, towards the end of the season for the Brits and it all felt good there yeah yeah no it felt felt good it was just I wasn't up to sort of the racing standards compared to everyone else um I think after sort of the first couple of heats I was getting going and sort of having a really good go but the other boys just they were on it to be honest with you and um it's hard to try getting back into a meeting especially when everyone else is sort of had a whole year's of racing I'm not making excuses and um well done to Jake for winning it. he he did amazing on the day to be honest and um yeah hopefully next year i can give him a good good run for his money and um but no it was, it was sort of just a good meeting for me to get back into it every, to see everyone at grash again have a bit of fun try retaining my title and um that was a good meeting just to get back into and check check to see how the shoulder was holding up yeah yeah really good i mean the, the competition was really fierce up there uh it was you know you were brilliant 
even despite having not ridden all season, you still put on a great show and was were well in amongst it. But yeah, like you say, it was tough, wasn't it? There were some really quick riders. Yeah, no, definitely, and it's, it was hard because I I've obviously seen results across the um across the Facebook and um you obviously see results, so you can't you can't really see how the riders are riding until the actual day. And um to be fair, all, all the two fifty boys, so they were on it and they were um obviously had that target on my back and they were all coming for me. So fair play yeah. to all of them. They, they we we all rode really well that day and we um we put on a good show to show show even though it's a two fifty, we can still still produce some really good racing. Yeah, the racing was fantastic, and uh, and it has been for a few years. We'll sort of come back to your British Championships, actually, in a bit. But, uh, I mean, first of all, it, it, where did it all begin for you? I know that you've been racing. It sounds silly. You've just, just turned 21, but you've been racing for a long, long time. Uh, so where did it all begin for you? What was the? How did it all start, and who got you into it? And, yeah, what was the story where it all began? Yeah, it's quite, um, quite an interesting story, actually. So I obviously started being Exeter-based. I used to go and watch Exeter down at... Um, down at the county ground there and um from the sort of age of three I used to go down with dad every week watching him and um i remember i used to fall asleep before like heat 12 and i would always miss the best heats obviously heat 13 and 15 i'd miss and um that was a bit of a gutter but then yeah. from there my dad had bought a um, little mini motor and he he smelt fuel and i was trying to put fuel in it mm. so he um came down and helped me put fuel in it started it up tied some rope to it so if i went too far he sort of pulled me back a bit and um got a bigger bike, started practicing in my granddad's field. And then from there, I went up to Somerset and Somerset said, oh, would you like to do the mascot? And I think that's sort of where it kicked off massively is from Somerset. Um, just being there for 10 years, going on different size bikes, then making my way into sort of the extra Falcons um, national development sort of team. Yeah, no, it paid really, really big help. And then went to Coventry. They they helped out massively up there, just riding different track and um, getting different setups and, then down to Plymouth and I think probably if I didn't go to Plymouth I wouldn't be where I am now and um I'd like to say a massive thank you to Mark Phillips really for giving me a load of help and um confidence in the sport yeah he's a good man Mark and uh yeah he's got a good team down there as well and he's he always uh he's supportive with the grass track riders as well I mean Alfie Botel had a go uh last year corralled into it by us really but uh he's now bought himself grass track equipment and Mark seemed as a well Mark rode grass track himself so He's more than happy for his riders to have a bit of a dabble on the grass, which is obviously good news for us. But, um, you know, I remember you in the youth uh, grass track scene. I remember suddenly you were turning out with your Somerset Rebels gear on and and uh, always so professionally turned out and everything else. I mean, those uh, and at the time, Henry, there was an awful lot of grass track around where we live. There isn't any more, you know, but no. we had a lot of meetings then, didn't we? And it was it was good. And, you know, there must be some fun memories of of racing in that youth scene. Yeah, no, definitely. I think sort of at the grass track, I think grass track sort of started off my career, to be honest with you. Um, I remember I'd turn up to a meeting and there'd be about 20 autos in one class, but now you sort of struggle to get at least sort of five. And um, it was, it, from my memories, it was such a good sort of weekend away, going away in the van, staying in the van, playing playing with your mates, like a bit of football, then having a bit of a fun with racing. It was, um, yeah, no, it was a great great weekend away and i don't think sort of people realize it until they sort of go and see it It is a um sort of fun fun day out really for the family to go and watch and um see some crack and racing but yeah no i was lucky enough with my dad um to sort of look very professional and um i think that's sort of where it stayed and i'm happy to sort of say yeah. that i've been lucky enough to keep that sort of standard going and that's how people see me now is just due to due to my colors which is blue red and white yeah 
yeah and it is all still you know still immaculate which is you know great to see for a young lad riding the grass but um you know i just sort of said then there was a lot of a uh, lot of different meetings that went on that were local it's not so much like that anymore there's an awful lot of traveling um for the youth for the youth grass track riders as well as the adults as well but um you know there was a lot of lads as well that came up through from our area uh that don't seem to race anymore i mean i know that you're quite close with uh the dummits leo and uh and jack dummit who who didn't ever ride and there's a few others as well wasn't there that were from this area that that never really got into the racing in the end yeah i know obviously like we used to have um used to have clumpton you still got a little bit down Cornwall now, but not too much. Bridgewater still going, but not as much as they used to. I remember the Swindon Youth used to be a cracking, cracking grass track. They do about three meetings a year, and it was absolutely, absolutely amazing. But obviously, yeah, you've had Jack come through and Leo, still good mates with them. Obviously, Saul, he's a local lad, only from Crediton, and um, Richard Andrews. I'm seeing him, seeing him next year again with racing, racing yeah. together this year. Sorry, and um, yeah, it's a shame to see it, but obviously when you get older you've got different life commitments different sort of work and everything and it can kill it but luckily enough i've sort of been able to sort of work and sort of race at the same time so i've juggled both which has been ideal really yeah it must be quite hard though i mean i know that you've obviously it's not quite gone to plan for the racing and having so much racing on it's not happened in the last year but to be able to juggle a a full-time job and and race at the level that you are i mean it must be quite difficult yeah, it's hard. I, I remember I did it with Somerset um, when I was riding for them and I was literally racing one night, coming home, going work next day and then after work, straight in the workshop, getting the bike ready for a meeting on the Thursday. And um, yeah, it's physically tiring, but I need to do it just so I, so I get my qualification for plumbing, really. And now I've got the qualification, I can sort of chill out a little bit more, just gone self-employed so I can sort of choose when I need days yeah. off racing and stuff so it's a bit more easy now back then it was um yeah it was very challenging with obviously work of someone you can't just take time off whenever you want um but now i'm sort of self-employed it should be a little bit more relaxed and hopefully i can have a few more sleeps and (laughs) not feel as tired yeah yeah exactly yeah so i mean you uh you sort of mentioned somerset speedway there who uh, had a massive part to play early on for you and and obviously they're no more i mean it's it's you must be quite sad to see all of that sort of closed down yeah, it's, um, I started there when I think they had been going for a couple of years when I literally just started going there. And um, I've seen some great meetings, obviously, before every Cardiff Cardiff event. They used to have a pairs meeting, which was um, a really good meeting to watch. And they had all the facilities there with, obviously, big clubhouse, lovely pits, lovely track. And, um, yeah, it's a shame to see it go, to be honest. I keep on going up to watch my mate play football at Western and um, going past the stadium every week. It's a bit of a... They're like, oh, I'm going to race my bike, but then you realise it's all gone now. So, yeah, I, I just know in the back of my head, it's where I sort of learned most of my sort of racing career. But there's still a massive future ahead of me, and um, I can't sort of dwell on it too much. But massive thank you to obviously Somerset for helping me to see where I am now. So yeah, massive thank you to them. Yeah, it almost came about because I mean, you were you were a decent youth grass track rider, um, but then when you sort of got on the 250. You'd been riding it on the speedway, obviously, before you got on the grass, but it all just seemed to click into place. And uh, you went from being a fairly quick youth rider to being a, a really quick adult 250 yeah. rider very, very quickly. Yeah, no, definitely. I think with um, sort of the speedway, it sort of gives you a bit of a teach you how to sort of slide a bike, sort of move it around a bit more, show you how to sort of turn it on the tighter tracks. Where um, And then when you take it to a grass track, it's, it makes it much easier with a grass track. You can sort of 
some riders find it a bit harder to turn on the bigger tracks. Well, I, I, now I've rode with Plymouth for nearly going on to five years. I can I can sort of turn a bike pretty well. Um, but yeah, if anyone's on the grass track, or definitely if anyone's on the speedway, I recommend definitely go try grass track out because they both work together ideal, really. You sort of get the endurance and sort of the more of the rougher side of grass track, which then when you go onto a rougher speedway track, it's lovely. It's lovely and smooth compared to... Um, other places and you can see obviously with the riders like chris harris and ben barker they will come from grass track if you ever see them ride on a night where it's a bit more wet and the track's a bit heavier they deal lovely in the conditions so they've obviously taken that from when they they did grass track in the youth and it's paid up lovely for them so yeah i'm just gonna take every opportunity i can with grass track this year and hopefully fit as many meetings as i can in so it helps me um helps me on the speedway yeah, I think there's yeah a lot to be said for it. There's some speedway riders who claim the opposite that say, you know, you stay away from the grass track because it causes you problems. But then there's equally just as many who say, oh no, you need to do a bit of grass track. That's where you learn how to ride the bike. And uh, yeah, I mean, you you can measure it either way. But Chris Harris is one of the best riders that's come out of this country for some years, uh, and he's a grass tracker, and so is Robert Lambert. You know, so yeah, exactly. It's so the proof's in the pudding. Yeah, and obviously you had Scotty come back in do one of the meetings. Um, yeah, he made it look easy. So all these boys who have done grass track before Speedway, you can tell that they know how to. Like if I, if I watched, I watched Scotty down at Plymouth, and just the throttle control and the action he had on the bike is unbelievable. And I think that's partly from sort of the grass track where he can sort of he can put the bike where he wants to. But yeah, I think grass track helped me massively. Sort of just learning how to sort of ride the bike in rough conditions, not worry about where to put it. It's just, they, they both work in favour, really. Yeah. Now, we've uh, obviously, you're a three-times British champion, which, again, it just seems mad to, to be a three-times British champion and only just have your 21st birthday, but um, and the fact you've been out injured for most of that. So, uh, But the first one you won was uh, at Ledbury, actually, and it was pouring with rain for most of the day, I think, wasn't it? And um, Yeah, I mean, it wasn't ideal conditions to win a british championship but it must have meant something to you to finally win it i know you've won the youth title as well but uh yeah you'd arrived didn't you yeah no um yeah no from that sort of i knew from the get-go it'd been a wet grass track and um i knew that even if i dropped a point if if it went to count back for which it did i couldn't avoid couldn't like sort of drop any points at all so i knew from the get-go i had to just keep on winning every race which i did and luckily enough i won one on points um but I still think my sort of my biggest win that I would always take me is my third. Um, winning it sort of the first time was good. Then winning it second time was was even better. But winning it the third time in that final, yeah. I, I, every time I see the final online, it's just like everyone was chucking everything at me and I sort of had to hold my ground and I did. And um, I think to win it three times in a row is pretty, pretty good going because you've got a massive target on your back. And um, yeah, no, I think that's sort of one of the one of the proudest moments I can sort of take taken the most like recent years really it was a great win and i mean you, they got past you he got past you and uh you, you know you're overtaken it looked that all, all was lost but it wasn't in your mind you you got back in front and it was yeah brilliant final uh and not many people have won three in a row in any of the classes you know it's a very tough order so um yeah real good real good rate and it's yeah not surprised to me to hear that that was the one that you know you put above all of the others uh, decent track up there as well that 500 sidecar track quite a tight track which probably suited the um you know the, the the speedway type engine i guess it slows down the motocross engines a little bit 
Yeah, no, um, that's the thing. I think the first the first year we went on there, well, no, yeah, the first year we had like sort of speedway starts too, where they had the start mm. line on the um on the straight. So for us boys, it was sort of a bit more easier. Where I think the motocrossers obviously had to keep on changing gears to get into the corners and stuff. Um, but no, it was a, it was a lovely track up there, lovely and smooth. And um, yeah, I just remember every time I see the final, I still get goosebumps over it just due to the, like the action during the racing. Um. But no, up there, yeah, lovely track. I, I, probably one of my favourite grass tracks, to be honest. It's bit, it turns out to sort of be like a speedway track, really. But no, it's a fun track to ride. Yeah, brilliant racing. Um, and there's a few of you around that, uh, and that's the good thing with the 250s is that you've constantly got youngsters coming in. I mean, at that point, there was yourself, Luke Harris, who still rides the 250s, uh, and Charlie Brooks was going real good there as well, and uh, several others I've probably forgotten. And now Cameron Taylor's obviously on the scene and going well. Jake Mulford was absolutely flying at the Brits and and then this year we've got Max Perry coming up so it, it's just this constant conveyor belt it's not an easy class is it no it's um every year it's getting tougher and tougher and I know people sort of think our oh, British Masters is the toughest one I know the British Masters is the toughest one but sort of second down from it I'd say it's probably the 250 class with all the youngsters coming through obviously most of them go on the 250s before they get on the 500 so they're always looking at winning the championship on that and um no, hopefully Max Perry goes well this year. I've, I've known Max for um, sort of since, since he was about five, and um, I remember I gave him a pair of my race goggles when he was young, and he still wears them now. So um, to sort of see him come up through the ranks, it's it's quite a little um, sort of memento, really, to say sort of well done to him. He's done well. Yeah, there's a lot of excitement around him at the minute. He's uh, yeah, obviously going up into adult grass track. He's going up into the uh, the national league for speedway as well with with uh, with Leicester. Yeah, uh, lots of eyes on him. So yeah, he'd be the next one. But are you continuing with the 250 for next year? Are you looking to try and win that title back? Um, I think so. Yeah, I think I want to have another go at it. Um, I enjoy doing the 250s. Don't get me wrong. And um, obviously I want to do a few more 500 meetings. Just sort of looking at sort of maybe getting a different bike this year. Just try something different. But got a lot of stuff sort of on the line which we're looking at getting and sort of trying out but that's still in the making so hopefully in the next couple of weeks we get something sorted and um yeah some sort of exciting news can come yeah that'd be good i mean it's you've sort of only had a bit of a play i think with the 500 solo you you got into the the british masters once and uh it was was it the cheshire one that you rode at it was wasn't it yeah so i went to um the kent i think it's dig dog lane yeah. And um, I love that track. I rode yeah. 500 there and I loved it. It was a lovely track. And then went to sort of Cheshire and it was a bit of a sort of different track together. It was a bit more rough. I just couldn't get the bike set up really. And um, I think that's where I sort of struggled with it. And since then, I've never really been back on it. But now I'm sort of fully fit and everything. I'm I'm really eager to get back on it. So try yeah. it out and see how it goes. And the Masters, of course, is at Dig Dog Lane this year. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, Definitely uh, worth getting in. Yeah, no, I, lo- I love that track. It's so nice having sort of like a sort of a nice bank corner and then a nice sort of open corner is a is a really good track there. So hopefully, yeah, get a sort of entry into the qualifiers and um, yeah, get into the Masters would be nice. Yeah, I mean, the qualifier is at Cornwall, so it's close to home. It's a track you've ridden a couple of times. But uh, yeah, last time you rode there, you were in clearly injured. Um, yeah. Just couldn't really get to grips with it. It's completely different to anything else, though, the Cornwall track. Is it? Is it something that you think would suit you? Do you enjoy riding there? I mean, it's hard to tell, given the fact you had the injury. Um, yeah, I do like the Cornwall track, but I just think because of, obviously, the shape of it, it, it can be sort of very challenging. Yeah. Um, obviously, because it's got that sort of big bend, you're, like, leaning the bike over for most of it. But, um, 
no, I don't mind it. It's, it's something different. It's always fun to sort of ride it, and it's it's local, so I've got to support me local clubs. Yeah, nice. Get home in time for uh, yeah, tea and medals. You don't exactly yeah, across the country. Get home to a nice bed and sleep well, not a four-hour journey home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect. No, it'd be great to see you on the 500 a bit more often because, um, like I say, it feels like you just had a bit of a play. And uh, who's in the team at Plymouth? Because I know that. Um, yourself obviously you're going to be doing a bit of grass track is there any other grass trackers in in the speedway team um obviously we've got me and alfie yeah in the sort of main body um i think most of the other boys are just speedway boys but i know in the national league we've got um, rich andrews who's done a bit of grass track yeah so yeah there's about three of us in there i'm not too sure about any others um but no, it'd be good just to sort of see uh, alfie i've got on with like really well just due to him coming down sort of Plymouth must be in sort of similar age range. It's um, yeah. it's been good just to get get to know Alfie. I sort of knew him well and nationally before, but never really spoke to him. And um, Rich, obviously, I've done loads of meetings with Rich, going away with both our vans and having a good old laugh before meetings. So no, it'd be good both to see both them boys and um, hopefully have a bit of a race action with Alfie on the uh, on the crash track scene. Yeah, it'd be good. I mean, Alfie's a bit of a revelation, really. He turned up at, uh, at our meeting or the week before our meeting to have a go on on uh, Ben Ilsley's bike with his engine in, uh, sort of had his first go on a grass track. I didn't even know what grass track was, I don't think. I don't think he knew what he'd let himself in for. <laughs> had a decent yeah. meeting. He enjoyed himself, I think. Managed to stay on. And then the next minute he's in the Masters and he's in the final in the Masters and it's just escalated from there. And now he's looking at the European semi next year. Yeah, no, exactly. It's um, it's a strange sports beat, um, grass track. And um, he's, he, to be fair to him, he rode really well. I spoke to him when he came down. He said, oh, I really enjoyed it. I said... That's the main thing with grass track. It's with speedway. It's literally race after race with grass track. You got a bit of a break, so if you need to change anything, you can. But yeah. um, I remember the first first meeting he done. He came down. He's like, "I'm oh, struggling to turn it." I was like, "Yeah, grass track is a bit more grippy, but it is it is a good good laugh. I do like grass track to be honest with you. It's um it's a good good weekend away. And um I'd I'd like to go over to abroad to be honest. I've yeah. only ever been over to um Vector in Germany. Ooh, that's a good that's a good one to go to. Yeah, I know. I, I remember it was um it was quite funny. I went over there and it was about I think it's about seven hundred and fifty meters, I think the track mm. is. Yeah. So it's probably the biggest track I've ever seen and um I came into the first bend and I turned the bike way too early. Right. And I was just like right up against the um right on the uh foot pegs, like barely see nearly both wheels over the white line. <laughs> um but no, it was a good a good experience for me and um I think sort of once you get over abroad it grass track sort of makes it easier when you go abroad because... I think most of the foreign boys, when they come over here, they find it much harder than our grass tracks, which oh, yeah. sort of pays into our advantage. But no, I'd lovely, love to go over to um, go abroad. And uh, Andrew Appleton, who does most of my work for me, um, he's offered me to go over and help him and sort of learn a few things. So that'd be good if I can get over there with him. Yeah, I was sort of, I was just about to get to that, actually. I knew that you and Andrew had had quite a good relationship with lots of different things. He's, he's I know he's done sort of certain things. What specifically has he done uh, with regards to your racing? Um, so with well, um, the first sort of time I met him, he sort of helped me build my um sort of grass track bikes. That's with obviously all his sort of fray um his guards, seating um, and then obviously helped me out with all my engines. And I've just just last year I moved on to his new belt drives he bought out. So um, no, it's good to have someone like Andrew in, in my um in my team. And um, if I ever get stuck with anything, I can call him up and he's always there. And um yeah, no, it's a really handy bloke to have and I I've got a picture on my phone of when um I can't remember where I won. 
but I won a trophy and I I picked it up and Andrew was giving them out. Yeah. And I showed Andrew that and I think I've been with Andrew for about six years now, but it's probably one of the best moves I've done was going with Andrew. Mm. Um, and I've stayed with him for them six years, getting my bike um, engine serviced and um, no, he's been a massive help. Massive. Yeah. And if you want somebody to learn from with regards to European grass track and long track, this yeah, you're not going to get anyone much more knowledgeable. He uh, he knows his onions when it comes to European grass track, that's for sure. So, yeah, hopefully it'll be good for you, that. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, He's been there. He's won the, uh, the Team GB. He's won Europeans. He's, um, yeah, he's he obviously done a bit of speedway too, which is handy. Mm. So I can also, also ask him about that. But I went and watched him over at Vector 2 because there was a meeting on at the same time. He just makes everything look so easy and elegant. So yeah. if I could become a rider that he is, yeah, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, he's a very smooth rider, isn't he? Really good, uh, fast, but very smooth. Yeah, um, no, definitely. Yeah. So we we sort of talked about the future with regards to doing a bit of 500s. We've talked about going over to Europe. So have you got any sort of aims? You must have some aims and ambitions about what you want to achieve from the sport. I mean, perhaps there are things in Speedway you want to achieve, but is there anything in grass track you'd really love to sort of make say that you've been able to do? Um, yeah, definitely. I'd love to go abroad this year, sort of sometime this year, just to sort of ride against the um, the competition out there and see see where my level's at. Mm. Um, and even sort of getting to the Masters this year would be sort of another big achievement for me. If I went to get onto the podium, I'd even be even bigger. But um, no, for this year, sort of, I'd love to win the 250s back. I have to see, see how that goes. But I think this year, sort of another year, just to me, just to get the confidence back up. Um, have fun on the bike that's the main thing and sort of just see where it goes with with racing you can never sort of choose what happens and the outcome there's always going to be problems in your way but no i'm just looking forward to sort of getting back on the bike and um seeing everyone really it's just been such a long time off for me just mm. getting back on the bike would be good enough for me yeah good stuff it would be really good to have you back regular again and uh, obviously your dad as well uh he's a big character and he's he's done an awful lot for you over the years we can't really finish without mentioning him um he's uh yeah he's been a great help to you yeah no definitely um obviously without my dad i wouldn't be wouldn't be sort of the rider i am today i've been very lucky and um fortunate enough to sort of have the, the correct gear the right the right sort of safety wear and um yeah massive thank you to him and obviously all my other family around me been very supportive and um if he didn't take time off work and take me to meetings and yeah i wouldn't be sat sat here right now so um no massive thank you to my dad and um Let's have a good one in 2022. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, well, great to catch up with you, Henry. Anyway, we'll be uh, definitely looking out for you uh, over the season. Your uh, your Bantasia 2 invitations in the post as well. So it would be good to see you at Bantasia 2 in April. Uh, yeah, no, to make some decisions about that. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It'd be um, it'd be good to come to that meet. And I saw obviously it was a really well prepared track last time. So um, yeah, no, I'd love to come and do that. Yeah, it'd be good to see you. Well, Henry, best of luck with it. Uh, best of luck with the winter training. Hope you don't have too many more cold out nights out fixing bits and bobs in Hexeter. Uh, <laughs> uh, all the best. Not. All the best, and we'll see you soon. Yeah, have a good one. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers.